You're listening to the Union Church Podcast. For more information about Union, please visit unionboston.org. Beloved, this morning, I want to talk about the fig tree. Perhaps the most controversial symbol in the whole of the Christian faith outside of the cross, the fig tree that the writer speaks of in his gospel, the same fig tree that Jesus curses in the books of Matthew and Mark, I want to talk this morning about the fig tree because what has seemed so set in stone as the biblical interpretation of such a text simply does not cut it for me anymore. Allow me to explain. This is what happens in this passage in virtually all renderings of this story. Jesus and his disciples get up one morning about to be on their way to a new mission, a new set of blessings to give, a new way of life to show when Jesus announces that he's hungry. And out before them appears this convenient fig tree full of leaves, practically begging for passerby to grab its fruit and take a bite. Now when Jesus approaches the tree, he finds that all there are is just leaves. There is no fruit. And so instead of simply walking away, instead of searching for another tree, he performs what some commentators call a miracle. And he simply waves his hand, curses the tree, and says the fatal phrase, may no person ever eat fruit from you again, and walks away. This is how the first gospel writer put it, Mark. You see, Mark was the first one to record this story. And when Matthew went ahead to record his gospel account, he keeps this story only changing it slightly, as if to say back to Mark, you forgot to put that part in there about how the tree itself withers away, and that this was more than just a story about a spoken curse. This was about the power of Christ setting right what was wrong. People read this text in a number of different ways, but the common assumption is that the tree represents the temple and that this movement of Christ is an indictment over those hypocrites who claim to offer spirituality but are really just dying trees. And preachers preach it like this. When you find yourself without any fruit to bear, without any spiritual gifts to offer back up to God, repent and believe, because God will set right what is wrong with you. And that if you refuse to repent, like the fig tree, you too will wither away. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, no. Because the last time I checked, God is not a God who curses God's people, but a God of the wilderness who leads them out of what is killing them. God is a God who says to the dust, get up, for I am making all things new, who says to the bones, keep going, for I have plans for you, not to harm you, but to make you prosper, who says to the desert, 
This land will be filled with bounty. So when I think about the fig tree, when I think about curses, when I think about preaching that God is a God who meets us in this story, I think that maybe we need a new way of telling the story. Now, this is not some practice reserved for PhD students in theology, meant for only preachers and poets and pastors and prominent pulpits. The way of telling new stories is the way of reclaiming what the world has taken from you. This is our task as the people of God, that there are stories that have been written about you and spoken so often, so poetically, so rhetorically refined, that to hear anything different is not an act of misinterpretation, but one of justice. The movement of justice is the call to resistance, and what we resist is any story that turns your belovedness into the broken record of you are loved when you prove that you're lovely, of people saying that your ministry here is the price you pay for admission, that who you are is a product to be manufactured for God's political gain, instead of the reality of your life breathing new hope into a hopeless world. Here is the story that I've been told. And it's so fitting that it's Women's History Month, a month where we try to set aside time in our calendar to hear stories that they tried to silence for fear they might disrupt the narratives so powerfully spoken in this land. You see, this is the story that I was told when I was young. They told me that I had to stay in love with books, and not just any books, but the ones where the damsel in distress get saved by her knight in shining armor. They told me I had to stay in love with these books because there was no way that love for women could look like women learning to love themselves. They told me to read the stories of girls being saved by boys with big muscles and fast cars and good hair. of women being plucked up out of distress because they could not find the strength or power to save themselves. When I got older, they told me another story. They told me to stay in love with God because there was no way that loving God could look like loving the people around you. They told me to read the stories of God and humanity as humans being saved by a God with big muscles and a fast car and good hair who would come in and pull us up out of our distress because we were not strong enough to find this strength within ourselves. We couldn't pick up ourselves off the floor if our God didn't do it for us. But now that I'm grown... And they try to keep me reading these stories to stay put, to hear that passive waiting for a world that needs to be saved is the only way this body might live, to be submissive, to do as I'm told. The only thing I have left to do is to stop reading and to start preaching the truth of my story. (laughs) 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, yes, that you have a story in you, that you have a sermon to preach, that your life is not what they have interpreted it to be. You see, beloved, I need your help because if somebody didn't tell me that this body wasn't made for the stories they made me read, for the stories they told me about love, for the stories that said goodness for you wouldn't come unless another person brought it to you, If somebody hadn't preached to me that your life is more than just a product for another human to consume, that your heart is more than just some gift to give the world, if somebody hadn't told me that my very existence was not brought about for the benefit of some other person, and that if only I could find whatever that person was or purpose was, then maybe I would feel whole. If somebody hadn't preached to to me, God loves you not for the gifts you have to offer the world, around you, but for the blessing you are to your own body that needs to hear God's voice well up from within your very spirit in a world that seeks to silence you, then I would be gone, wouldn't be here, could have never survived because living in someone else's story is like trying to breathe underwater. What if the fig tree cursed? The tree that Jesus condemns to die, the way he so powerfully speaks a word against any body ever eating from its branches again, what if this phrase, may no body ever eat from this tree again, is Jesus' way of saying, God knows they've tried to feed you leaves and told you it was the fruit of the earth. May no story ever feed you again that tells you this is the truth of your existence when all you're eating is dust. We don't have to look far to see that the story often told often features this fig tree and yet... Even the disciples gave each other sermons as they continued to write their witness of Jesus' ministry on earth. The Gospel of Luke takes this fig tree and turns it into a parable where the landowner stands staring at a barren tree. He asks a gardener to cut it down, and the gardener replies, Give it one more year after I tend to it. He tells the landowner that if the tree doesn't produce fruit then, he can go ahead and chop it down himself. This is the sermon that I have to preach, that Mark wrote a story about curses, and Matthew said maybe it's more about the power of Christ. Then Luke came in and said, what if it's about us? What if this story is not about Jesus demanding what is due to him, but about our lives in relationship to the things that claim to feed us. What if this story is about our land, our soil, our ability to plant and tend to that which gives us life? What if this is not about giving God our fruits of the Spirit, but about taking the fruit we already have within us and saying to the trees, what have we done that this thing here on our land, can't produce anything that offers us nutrients, that this fig tree before us is only giving us leaves? What kind of environment have we been setting up that the things of our world cannot sustain us? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God 
that stories don't pop up out of nowhere, they grow. And that if they're not tended to, if they're not nurtured, if they're left to rot, all we're left with are barren fig trees. God has gifted us with hands to garden, with soil to plant, and asks, if the tree isn't feeding you, if the branches are bare, what have we done that these structures around us keep producing anyways? Who is tending to your garden? Because what we have right now is a world that looks around and asks, the President of the United States of America is tending to my garden. That the policymakers and corrupt officials on Capitol Hill, the people who are talking about border walls and free speech and nationalism are the ones tending to my garden. And our question is this, when did we become the fig tree around which planters abuse us instead of the hands which aid in building a new tree that refuses to exchange its fruits for leaves? When did we take our place in the story as passive observers who look at Jesus cursing what is dead, who witness the gardener making moves, who become the landowner asking the obvious instead of the gardener who takes his hands, digs them deep down into the soil, and says they told you to chop it down and walk away but I'm telling you we can fix this this is the sermon I'll preach this morning that you are the gardener in this story that you can reach down deep into the soil you can find where it all went wrong and you can fix this and that every time they try to feed you what is not fruit every time they try to gift you with leaves every time they try to gift you with stories meant to kill you instead of build you up every time they try to take your voice and bury it you reach down deep into the soil you pull it back out again you bring it back in again and you use it again and you say back to the tree these leaves will not feed me curse the trees that try to feed you what will not sustain you for God is a God who says may this tree never feed anyone again may this tree wither away before it tells another body your blessing is my benefit instead of your blessing is the life within you breathing the voice of God back into this voiceless body this is your promise that when trees around us give us leaves, when they say things like, this country would be so much healthier if only we could produce more jobs. And then the factories come and the CEOs swoop in and the Fortune 500s bring their companies to our cities and somehow we find ourselves working 60 hours a day for 40 hours of pay, thrust into lives that are more about quantity for others instead of quality for us. We say back to the tree, tastes like leaves. When the tree says, Tell your families that safety is about being secure. And then the preachers come in and they tell you, wives, submit to your husbands, for a submissive household is a steady household. And the bankers say, a market based in home ownership is a market based in steady living. And the people on the streets say, when I'm with those who are like me, I'm with those who love me. We say, back to the tree, tastes like leaves. When the tree says, everyone is welcome in this place. 
And the rainbow flags come down after pride and the passivity comes back up. And the church steps bring in bodies who can climb them but deter those who cannot. And then the songs we sing sound more like funeral dirges when God is the God of hierarchies. We say back to the tree, tastes like leaves. We will no longer live in such a way that our stories become co-opted and manipulated by any body or thing that seeks to push us down instead of lift us up. The prophet Isaiah says it like this, whoever is hungry, whoever is thirsty, it doesn't matter if you have anything to give, come to the waters and drink, come to this land and eat, for God is a God of abundance. I've never before written a sermon that took me back to places in my life where love looked so far away and unavailable, that took me back to a place where I questioned whether or not God created me specifically to give all I had to the world around me, even if that meant the emptiness inside of me would remain. There is someone here this morning who believes that their purpose in this world is to take all of the strength they have and place it in the emptiness that remains. That their life is not about being love, but about giving love. But you see, that's precisely the problem. When the stories we believe are the stories that say, my emptiness can only be filled by your gifts. We become like the fig trees, whose only purpose is to produce fruit for others to eat, instead of the gardeners with hands capable of finding the soil again, reaching down deep into the earth and planting what we've already had inside of us. There is a balm in the Gilead, and it looks like hands reaching down deep into the earth to uncover what it is that they've buried. When we reach, God reaches back, hands us the truth of our lives, and makes fruit grow. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about Union Church, please visit unionboston.org.